the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. As we head into Hour 2, we do so with our good friend, Congressman David Schweikert, who represents us and is headed uh, headed into 2023 in the majority. We'll talk a little bit about what that means for him. But first, David, welcome back. And boy, what a year of tremendous blessing for you. you I just saw a picture of some of those blessings. My goodness, the cuteness and the love. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And for everyone that's listening, I was sending Seth some pictures of my two little kids. And you've got to admit, they are adorable. They are adorable. And there's one of them is sitting one of them is sitting on a heffalump. Is that made of chocolate or what is that? No, 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 no. That's actually an I took I took my seven year old back to Washington with me last week. Uh-huh. So and and it was just one of those stupid sessions where the Democrats couldn't put together their bills and we we were trying to get it so the appropriations could move to January where the new House Republican majority could have influence on it. At the last moment, uh, uh, 18 Republican senators basically knifed us. Um, but during that time, but across the street is a Republican club, and that's a little girl on a ginormous wood elephant. Oh, it's wood. It's okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So if you look very carefully, and the reason we did that photo is I, every year I bring her out, we, we do the same photo. So uh-huh. I have her from when she's like one years old and someone had to hold her so she didn't fall over and two and three and now seven. So that's the photo. Oh, how fun. How fun. That's a, oh, Is that at the Capitol Hill Club? Yep. Oh, how fun. How fun. How fun. Well, it's beautiful. It was the only place you can find food this last week. I beg your pardon. It's the only place that you got food this past. Well, that and the gas station, and I'm dead serious. The gas station sushi. There's a little auto auto vending thing, and my little girl and I both mostly lived on gas station sushi last week. Oh, really? Like a like one of those old uh, Horn and Hard Art automats or something like that? No, no, it's close. It's more the modern version. Okay, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, bless you and your family. All right, yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that omnibus package. Uh, Nancy Pelosi said it was a package for the people. Uh, truly, she said, a package. Yeah, no, no, it was, it was a pa- package on the people because eventually the people are going to have to pay for this debt. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, can, let's, be, let's be brutally serious for a moment. Yeah. Um, as Republicans, we are pro-national defense. Yeah. We're going to have to have a very uncomfortable but honest conversation. What does that mean? Does that mean the lethality of our military, you know, our military's ability to break things, kill the bad guys, those things, to project force? Or do we judge the military and Congress's love of it by how much more money we spend each time? Yeah, you've been on this for a while. Now you're going to be in the majority now, maybe to lead some of that discussion. Well, but but a lot of our Republicans... For the $45 billion step-up 
in military spending. And look, we needed to raise salaries. You know, things like that were honorable. We needed to do that. But for the $45 billion of new military spending, it costs you hundreds of billions of dollars in current and future spending on other types of programs to get the Democrats to go along. Because they hold the military spending as hostage and Republicans have always been willing to basically make that deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really expensive. So it's not the $45 billion for the military. It's all the other programs and all the other spending and, as, and commitments to future spending, because now you've got to maintain these programs. Um, so those step-ups get very expensive. If you... Uh we're, I think we were born in the same decade, David, and we probably remember the uh, Schoolhouse Rock Bill on Capitol Hill cartoon that taught us civics when we were, mm-hmm. you know, young youngins, young kids. Um, and in Arizona now, you have to take a, uh, you have to pass a, ci- a civics uh, requirement to, to graduate from high school. I, I don't know how any of that applies to the way we are doing budgets now, and I was wondering if you could maybe give us an um, an updated civics lesson on why we do it this way now. Why are we doing these kinds of uh, omnibus packages that 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 you know come 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 to us twenty four hours before you you're supposed to vote on them? Can you talk um, a little bit? It, it goes back a few it, years, I know. Oh no, yeah, this is now going on for fifteen twenty yeah, years. Yeah, um, it's too hard for members of Congress to, I think, tell the truth. When you sit people down and show that, hey, we're, we're about 70, I think for this last year we were 73% of all spending is autopilot. Yep. 75% of all spending is Social Security, Medicare, um, certain veterans benefits. Um, you get certain benefits if you're you fall under a certain income or you're part of a certain tribal population. But the vast majority of federal spending, the member of Congress never votes on. Mm-hmm. It's on autopilot. And then you take that remaining, let's call it 25%, half of that is defense, okay? Yep. And then what's left is, you know, you're sitting, you're looking at, it's closer to like 14, 15% actually. Um, is everything else you think of government, the, you know, um, the different agencies, the EPA, the highway department, and the dividing of that money. So a decade ago, we did something called sequestration. It was one of the only ways we could work through a battle over the debt ceiling and the budget. And it was remarkably effective. Um, even though repeatedly, Republicans to get more defense spending would break the sequestration cap with the Democrats so they so the Democrats could get more social entitlement spending. But at the end of the decade, the amount of discretionary spending will have been pretty the incredible growth. And no one likes to talk about this because it gets you unelected. Is ten thousand three hundred people a day turn sixty five. Wow. Okay. They move okay. into yeah. they move into their Medicare benefits. Right. Many move into Social Security benefits or other types of benefits. That's over the next thirty years. That's where one hundred percent of the future debt comes from. Is seventy five percent of the hundred and fourteen trillion dollars of borrowing that's coming in the next thirty years. Seventy five percent of it is Medicare. Twenty five percent is 
Social Security, the rest of the budget is flat. Now, you still got to, we still have hundreds of billions of fraud and waste and things, and you need to grind through that and get it out of there. Um, but we're heading towards borrowing $2 trillion a year. You know, I, 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 I did a presentation the other day and showed if you got rid of every dime of foreign aid, it was like nine days of borrowing. Yeah, what is that, like maybe 30 or $40 billion, I'm guessing? No, it's, it's about $38 billion. Okay. Um, and that was nine days of borrowing. Yeah. Not spending, just the borrowing portion. Yeah. And it, it's, this is partially because Democrats lie. They say, oh, we just tax the rich more. And Republicans have lived on this monster. Waste and fraud. Waste and fraud is true, but it's a tiny portion of the amount of debt that's coming because we made lots and lots of promises. And it's unpopular to go after the big stuff that uh, that you want to and to tackle it. I know that. How many, how many fellow caucus members, not names, but rough count, have the cojones to try and do it with you, would you guess? Zero. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. No, no, I, I'm, I'm being, I'm, I'm, I'm angry because I sat down with a bunch of the deficit hawks the other day, and every one of them said they were unwilling to tell the truth about the Medicare. It's unbelievable. Finance. I mean, it's just mad. And, but, but, but you got to understand, we're not going to cut Medicare. We're not going to, well, Social Security automatically cuts in 10 years. Okay. Because you know, uh, Medicare, Social Security lost an entire year of its actuarial life because the COLA was so big this year because of inflation. Mm-hmm. And if next year has a big inflation COLA, you know, we might be down to eight years. Yeah. yeah. And everyone in Social Security gets about a 25% cut yeah. unless we fix it. Yeah. On Medicare, we're not going to do entitlement reform. We're not going to take away benefits. What you got to do is come up with ways, adoption of technology, cures, other things you and I have talked about for years now to crash the delivery price of healthcare. Yeah, I love your take on it too. I love what you have to say approach. about diabetes. Do you do you have to run or do you got it one a little more time? No, in? we got time. Let me take a break. Can you come back on that? I, I just think the more I read, the more this stuff on diabetes is just so crucial. And again, I don't know if there are other Congress people, congressmen willing to talk about it the way you are. Would you come back and talk a little bit about that again? I, repetition is the essence of education, and you have this down, yes. David. Uh, I appreciate it. I'm Seth Liebson. He is Congressman David Schweikert. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Congressman David Schweikert is with us, as he is most Wednesdays. David, uh, you've been in the minority. You're heading into the majority. Uh, we've had a lot to uh, condemn, criticize, and complain about. You have a few concepts on how to show a way to get us at least moving the ball a few inches, if not yards, forward. Talk to us about Look, that. When you and I talk about this, I always assume there's you know thousands of people in their cars right now hitting the button saying, I don't want to hear any more math. <laughs> but but look, it's, it's this simple. We functionally borrow almost 25% of our spending. Mm-hmm. 75% of our spending is mandatory. It's Social Security, Medicare, things like that. So when a politician gets in front of you and says, I'm going to balance the budget, there's a way to do it. But if they say, I'm going to cut, okay, you basically have to get rid of all government, which is fine. Um, Or you have to take a major chunk out of people's Social Security and Medicare checks. 
Um, it, it, it's the math, and it's the math, it's the math, and the math always wins. So if I came here tomorrow and said, I need a revolution in government to save us because our demographics were getting older as a society and it's going to get dramatically more expensive in the future. How do I get productivity up? How do I make the economy wealthier um, so there's more tax revenue? How do I crash the price of delivering health care? And people actually go to war to stop you from these sorts of things because it means you disrupt their bureaucracies, their business models. So, and we've talked about this, and I use it because it's the simplest example I have. I think it looks like a big kazoo that you can blow into. It's a breast biopsy. It says, hey, Seth, um, you, have, you have a virus. You have this flu, and we're going to bounce off your medical records. We know you're not allergic to this. We're ordering your antiviral. Excuse me, uh, uh, antiviral pills. Um, you, it's a breath biopsy you could have in your whole medicine cabinet for a couple hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. There's models out there that say that sort of thing crashes the price of healthcare because it makes you healthier, faster. You get to deal with you have know, a infection or this and that faster. These things. There's a new one that catches like 25 different cancer proteins by blowing into it. Maybe a couple hundred dollars you could have at home. Except government, the bureaucracy that type of technology illegal because the algorithm would be writing a prescription. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out there's lots of things like that that go far beyond just healthcare. Um, there's ways you could crash the price of what the EPA does by crowdsourcing data. You don't need the big bureaucracy. There's things you can do to make the economy much, much more efficient. Um, but uh, there's lots of laws to protect so your business doesn't have to face competition. Mm-hmm. Look what Don Frank did to the big banks. Right. And locked in the five big money center banks, and they control more of the market today than they did 10 years ago. So, so there's this argument of you've got you've to unleash the economy, and it's going to be disruptive to grow and be competitive and be vibrant again. And then you need to legalize the technology that disrupts the price of, of healthcare. And then there's the moonshot stuff of you've got to cure the most expensive diseases in our society. So um, diabetes and diabetes-related illnesses are 33% of all healthcare spending. 31% of Medicare. Um, But this also means dealing with people on what we eat, what we subsidize as a government, what we eat. Do you find Um, yourself ever constrained to talk about diabetes because of political correctness? Oh, God, I get... I, I, you get called names. Yeah. Oh, how yeah. dare you tell me I can't? It's have it's a it's a much life. bigger no pun intended a much bigger problem than I ever thought. I mean, over the last two years, oh, COVID geez. really exposed a lot of this. A lot of it. Oh, I didn't and, realize and how obese, tough this was. And obesity up in parts of the country because of the lockdown. Yeah, um, has skyrocketed. Yeah, and our brothers and sisters are dying. But also here in our own county. Um, the Gila River community, South River from yeah. Maricopa, are sort yeah. of number one, number two yeah. in percentages of the populations that have diabetes. I will argue it's more, it's also really good finances yep. 
to take on diseases like this mm-hmm. because they're key drivers of debt. And it's just immoral to, to, to have, you know, um, to go visit people and realize they've had parts of their feet cut off. Or yeah, no, I absolutely. And, and, it, and, it, and, and it's volitional, and we have too. had a breakthrough. Right. Mm-hmm. But there is a breakthrough out there. It's type 1. It's only a half a dozen people, uh, a type of altered stem cell that looks like it's working on getting the islet cells to start producing insulin again. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows if it would work? You know, I, I mean... You've got to be pathologically optimistic, but would it work for type 2? Well, it would, uh, theoretically, but you've got to work with people who change their eating habits, their lifestyle, those things. Yeah, no, I, it's the but type 2 that, that, government, that, they, that they try and stop you from talking about, which is the bigger problem anyway. Oh. And, and my simple ethical theory is, you know, eat what you want, drink what you want, smoke what you want, I don't care. Just don't ask me and my neighbors and, and the society to pay for it. Yeah, absolutely. But if you're asking us to pay for it, we'll pay for it in your Medicare or your Medicaid or your other things, then maybe society should actually look at the cost of what we're spending. Things are so nuts that we can't even do the first part, though. I mean, you know, things are so nuts you can't even criticize the first part. I think we should have uh, more national spokespeople on he- unhealthy lifestyles. It's it's well, you, you, I mean, it, it, you look at how COVID was treated. You look at the uh, all the all the problems that come out of obesity. I'm sorry, I just I I wish more people a, would talk it's about. It's an it. uncomfortable concept, but but look what we did over smoking. Yes, correct. 30, 30, exactly. Thirty years ago. Exactly. And 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 even Obamacare has three different, you know, or, or actually four different categories: three are age, and one is smoking. Yeah. Huh. Um, the radical Republican version just wanted four categories of age and smoking. Yeah. Um, and that was really its only structural difference: is the actuarially it blended out the cost better. Yep. Um, but but you can't just beat up people. It no, no, but you through, can have messaging through, and prevention okay. messaging and public health messaging. God knows we know how to do it when we want to. But but are we willing to change the farm bill? Well, yeah, right, exactly, an, exactly, exactly, exactly. When I give you an EBT card, whether it be the federal funds or the state funds, and you can run down and buy onion rings with it, is that what we should really be doing with the tax money that, that, that the people are out there busting their humps they're paying taxes, and these monies are often being used to make people sick. Yeah, we are endowing we are endowing disease here in this country. David, I have to hit the break. Bless you, sir. Have a very happy right. new year, and we'll talk to you on the other side, okay? Goodbye now. You betcha. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. Anything on your mind? We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I am Seth. Our phone number, anything on your mind, 602-508-0960. Trudy is in Chandler. Hello, Trudy. Hi. How are you today? I'm fine. How are you? Good. Um, whenever I listen to Congressman Schweikert, I'm, I'm always impressed by his knowledge and his desire to fix things, but I'm always very concerned as well. I have never yet heard them talk about government pensions. Not a single time, and those are huge, absolutely huge. I have friends who have that retired from two different government jobs. Their pensions are really, really big. And I, I'm 78 years old. I worked till I was I 
I didn't take Social Security until I was 70. And I was really shocked at the end of the year when I paid my taxes that almost half of it was sent back to the government. I'm now still paying about a fourth of it back to the government every year. And I guess I think that they need to find a way to slowly start putting Social Security back in the lockbox and that they ought to be addressing some of these other issues as well. But I've never heard Congressman Schweiker. I'll ask him about it next time. I think you're on to something there, Trudy. I mean, more than on to something. I I have noticed um, every once in a while when it crosses uh, my transom that you see how it's the word you've used. Government pensions have ruined the economy in places like California, uh, practically putting certain states in bankruptcy because of their Pension problems is part of the is part of the idea to go better into a defined um, contribution plan over a, a defined benefit plan. Probably is my sense, um, but you're absolutely yeah. right. You're I and I will bring. I'm making a note and I will raise it with him next time we visit. I promise you that. And um, the other um, point I would make is um, when he's ta- when you're talking about these big diseases, yeah, which I uh, agree with. I think there's um, there's probably already cures. It's just that they've now become industries. Yeah, and I don't I don't know how that can possibly be solved. But I think well, that uh, yeah, I, that I, I, I you know I don't know is the answer to that. But I do know that there is a hesitancy and um, a series of public pressure campaigns and a political politically correct wokeness industry that makes it unbelievably hard for certain people to even try and talk about the obesity epidemic in this country, which is a disaster, a disaster. And uh, I remember Bill Maher was getting in trouble on this. I was looking at a thing on Twitter earlier today uh, where there's this whole series of articles, I think one from the Scientific American of all places, that said obesity is a racial construct. I mean, it is insane how much they have, um, A, racialized this issue, um, and B, made it uh, something of uh, more and mere victimology than something about, you know, lifestyle choices that we need to instruct people about. Instruct people about. Think about COVID. Think about who COVID hit the worst. Think about what we did. We shut gyms. We shut parks. We shut Everything you would want to do to kind of help work on that very problem, which aside from age, which isn't a volitional, uh, which isn't a, a, a volitional mechanism, to strip away any messaging on the one volitional mechanism that could have possibly saved your life if you were stricken with COVID. It was absolutely insane, and we're not doing any better with it now. No idea why people have to take offense over something that isn't in and of itself racially, ethnically, or even gender-wise offensive. I remember in the 70s being attuned to this with a very then popular book. You may remember it. I You may not. But I remember uh, one of the books, probably one of the most unhelpful, quite frankly, both to feminism and public health, was a book called Fat is a Feminist Issue, and that to talk about obesity was to be anti-feminist. And it went into the whole personal is political stuff. It also was one of those nightmares that came out of that wave of feminism 
keep saying, I'll, I'll look it up on, I want to get it right, I'll look it up on the break, what wave of feminism that was in the 70s. Keep saying I want to say it was second wave feminism, but I'll get it right on the other side. But Trudy, you're, you're, you're spot on, on on putting your finger on these things. Um, thank you very much. It was a short segment, but we'll be right back. At the start of this year, you could invest in almost anything and make money. The stock market was still growing, real estate high, cryptocurrency was all the rage, and here we are. (laughs) What a difference a year makes. 2023 is going to be a year of uh, economic upheaval, according to many economists, and the Biden administration is pressing ahead with its leftist agenda, ignoring the growing signs of of recession and inflation. Which is why I recommend protecting some of your savings or wealth with the Midas Gold Group, the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. Gold holds its value when economies fail and fall, guarding against the ravages of inflation and the ruins of a recession. Talk with the good folks at Midas Gold Group. They are good folks. I know them well. MidasGoldGroup.com is their website. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Or better yet, give them a call at 480-360-3000. 360-3000. Mike in Maricopa calling back per request. Thanks for doing that, Mike. Yes, sir. No problem. Hey, it was interesting coming back in without Elvis Presley. You <laughs> know, his birthday is coming in in the next couple of days. So. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. I remember yeah, well the, the day. I remember when he died. I remember exactly where I was. Do you remember where you were when he died? Not exactly, no, sir. But you remember his birthday. You remember where you were when he was born. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. But I wasn't there when he was born, so I don't remember Okay, all right. Well, but anyway, anyway. Lest we're, we're anyone get the wrong here. idea about me, I wasn't there when he died either. Yeah. Okay. Were you on the grassy knoll, uh, uh, yeah, too? No, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right. Go ahead. Sir. Okay, anyway. Uh, uh, we started off, we were talking about Sheriff Lamb. Yeah. And... Uh, I haven't heard anybody talk about it that much, and I don't have a computer, so I haven't done a lot of searching, but I've read some newspaper accounts of it, and I see that there's a lot of the names of the victims and everything like that, but there's even though the perpetrator who was intoxicated was taken into custody at the scene, wasn't hurt or anything, I haven't seen his name out there, and I, I don't know, part of me... Um, being that Sheriff Lamb has uh, been a real thorn in the sides of the cartels and stuff like that with uh, loads and people and everything like that, uh, uh, I'm kind of, and I only are just speculating about this, but something tells me in the back of my mind that uh, this might have been a little bit more than just a, a random accident, if you catch my drift. The second deal I would like to point out is coming up here on the 17th of January in New York City, a Granaro Garcia Luna, the Secretary of Security for Mexico, is going to be going on trial in federal court about drugs, cartels, etc., etc., and uh, this is supposed to be the most important trial since the El Chapo Guzman trial. And uh, I'm just wondering if uh, it's going to get any attention. I'll give whatsoever. it some. I'll do it. I'll do it, Mike. I appreciate the heads up. Thank you. Okay. Yep. Very good. Yeah, because I know that one guy, uh, uh, 
Rafael Caro Quintero, when he was arrested, he was on the FBI's 10 most wanted list for his involvement in the torture and murder of Kiki Camarena. Yep. And there was absolutely no coverage of about I don't it. think people even, you know, everyone knows, not everyone, but a lot of people know Red Ribbon Day. They have no idea that it's in honor of Kiki. Yep. That's what started it. And and we've just so divorced, so divorced the cause uh, from, you know, the virtue signal. And, um, you know, the cause is uh, evil. Uh, the cause is violent. The cause is taking out more youth than anything else, more young adults than anything else in this country. And uh, very few people want to um, want to open their eyes to it or talk about it. And it's um, well, you- it's a it's a, it's a sad thing. I I I do my best. I I try and ring that bell as much as I can. Yep, you know me. I I ring in that yep. a lot too. But yep. you know, you would think you would think that when uh, somebody <sighs> is pressing hard on the press secretary and say, "Why is this? Why is this about the border?" You would think that they would at least mention something about, "Well, here's a couple of the victories that we got. They got the." You know, the former president of Honduras uh, got him for drugs and guns. He's going on trial. He convicted his brother, and now they got this other trial coming up. You would think that they would try to crow about some of the victories like Caro Quintero. Yeah, I don't know why they don't, except perhaps that it highlights the victories, highlight the problem in the first place, or highlight, you know, something they don't want to talk about. They underscore something they don't want to talk about. That would be my guess. Um, that would be my guess. Also, there's a politically correct element to, you know, the places from whence these people come. But, Mike, it's political correctness is, is, is killing us and will continue to kill us on so many fronts. We were talking on a previous caller or at least a caller or two ago on the issue of obesity. We can talk about it with regard to the border. We can talk about it with regard to the drug crisis. We can talk about it with regard to, you know, apologizing for, if not defending riots in the streets, if the cause is just to the right people. I mean, it is killing us. Political correctness is killing us. It's the best thing Donald Trump ever said. Happy New Year, Seth. Mike, thank you. And I really appreciate your broadcast. No, I thank you, you, and thank you for alerting us to all this. Um, Yeah, I haven't really covered enough of the uh, Southwest issue, uh, Southwest Airlines issue, Um, someone I follow on Twitter just posted a statement from a pilot at Southwest. I don't know what to say. Southwest Airlines has imploded. Their antiquated software system has completely fried. Planes are parked. Crews are stranded in the airports with the passengers, volunteering to take the passengers and the parked planes. But the software won't accept it. Phone lines are overwhelmed for passengers and crews. I personally spent over two hours trying to get a hold of anyone in the company last night after midnight. The captain and I did manage to get the one flight put together on Christmas night and got people home. Kudos to the ops agent dispatcher for making it happen. We had to manually input a lot of the data, and it took over an hour to coordinate with dispatch going back and forth running numbers. There's a lot of elements to this, assuming that to be accurate and true, which I have no reason to doubt that it is. There are a lot of elements to this, um, including, of course, uh, all the all the all the monies, all the all the federal subvention that has gone to places like Southwest to do things they simply did not evidently do. I see uh, plenty of their virtue signaling about uh, you know um, 
uh, about uh, hiring, um, uh, you know, uh, politically correct racial racial and gender minorities. Um, how about put a little attention on what you're supposed to do? Um, that, that that's a small aspect of it, not the largest. I'm hoping against hope, maybe, but I am hoping that this is David. You and I were talking about this before the show. That this is not something more emblematic of just the general suck that's happening in America right now. If you want to say something about that when we come back, we can. But I got to hit the break. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-5080-960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. If you are concerned about stock market volatility, our friends and sponsors at Y-Refi have an investment opportunity for you in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not related to the stock market. It's a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like and no surprises. Your interest is compounded daily. You are paid monthly. There are no fees. This is a secure collateralized portfolio, and it delivers a high fixed interest rate up to 10.25%, 10 and a quarter percent. A due diligence approved firm. You can check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com, or call them at 888-Y-REFI-34, 888-Y-REFI-34. James Freeman in the Wall Street Journal substantiating some of what I was saying about political correctness being our end in death. Open societies like the United States thrive because free speech and vigorous public debate generally allow the best ideas to win in a competitive marketplace. Closed societies fail because the central authority of political apparatchiks can never be smarter than all the independent creativity of free citizens studying and proposing and testing and trying new ways to solve problems. Faced with the challenge of COVID, too many U.S. officials not only refused to subject their disastrous lockdown policies to rigorous analysis, but appear to have tried to silence those most equipped to demonstrate the flaws of the shutdown strategy. Government officials opted for closing not just buildings, but public debate at a moment when America most needed the virtues of the open society. Uh, over uh, at the Journal uh, news page, there's a report on one massive cost of this disaster. We've we've uh, we've discussed a lot, dilated on a lot of them. New Stanford study by a friend of mine, er- uh, Eric Hanischek, who's been on this show several times. We'll get him back on. Stanford studies, uh, new Stanford study by Eric Hanischek shows a possible lifetime's earning decline of seventy thousand dollars for children resulting from COVID era learning losses, especially in math. Get this from the Stanford report. If the learning losses aren't recovered, elementary school students on average will grow into less educated, lower skilled and less productive adults and will earn 5.6% less over the course of their lives than students educated before the pandemic. Do you know what that realizes itself to be over the rest of the century? It'd solve our national debt, $28 trillion, $28 trillion. Dr. Hanashek's analysis echoes a study released in October by researchers from Harvard and Dartmouth, which estimated that if learning loss isn't recovered, it would equate to a 1.5% drop in lifetime earnings for the average student. We haven't even gotten to other stuff on this, but... Um, Jennifer say, what did she say the other? What did she write this morning? We were vilified for saying lockdowns are ineffective and harmful, that closed schools harm the most vulnerable kids the most, masks don't work, 
Vaxes don't prevent transmission and vax mandates are discriminatory. They smeared us, then came for our jobs, and we were right about all of it. Oh, and remember when we used to call them breakthrough infections? What happened to that word? Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 